Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Rokan. I'm Richard Roper. Well, you know, boxing's changed over the years, and it really changed this last weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's come a long way, I guess you could say, but, you know, sometimes you're going in the wrong direction. Maybe just guys hitting each other with their fists is so primal, it doesn't matter who's doing it, people will watch. We're going to talk about the ridiculous stuntery of this boxing event, not only from the last weekend, but... Throughout the last, what, 30 years, yeah. we have a list of stupid, stunty kind of events as well. And where does that sport really go from here? But first, Screen Time with Rowan Roper is being brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly, and to compete in today's business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, development, e-commerce, mobile apps, digital marketing. It all drives your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. So before we get to the shit that was on pay-per-view over the weekend, <laughs> I want to talk about real boxing from real boxers over the years, a great new documentary. It's called The Kings, and Roe, it premiered on the same Sunday night that the Mayweather Logan Paul. There's a different couple of Pauls, but I think it was Mayweather <laughs> Paul debacle aired. Uh -huh. This four-part series on Showtime is a brilliant look back at perhaps arguably the greatest era ever for boxing, which started in the mid-1970s and then went through the most of the 80s. And what was so fascinating about it, Roe, is this is about not the great heavyweights, because throughout history, of course, the heavyweight championship has always been the glamour fight. The heavyweight crown has been the biggest. We like to see the biggest, largest mm -hmm. fighters go at it. And in the United States of America, the past 100 years, it's almost exclusively been Americans in the 20th century and then the 21st century that's that you changed. Know, that's a great point. And in the meantime, uh, some of the lighter weight classes were dominated by the Latin fighters, by various foreign fighters. It all started the American Renaissance in 1976, as this series you know, so beautifully lays out, when a young boxer from Palmer Park, Maryland, named Sugar Ray Leonard won the gold medal at the Montreal Olympics, and Howard Cosell latched on to him. And, you know, as you know, Howard Cosell knew a, a star when he saw it. Muhammad Ali was still fighting, but, you know, it was 76 by this point. He wasn't the Muhammad Ali that he had been you know, 10 or even five years previous, and Howard was looking for the next thing. And Sugar Ray Leonard had that beautiful smile and that quick wit and also an amazing ability in the ring. He was the kind of fighter, even in the Olympics, which has limited rules and it's three rounds and our knockdown doesn't count much more than just a, a quality punch. He was clearly a superior fighter. So Sugar Ray Leonard wins the gold medal in 76 almost immediately turns pro. He had a girlfriend. He had his little son that was featured on, remember, taped to his sock, the picture of his yeah. son. And he became, you know, the glamour uh, child of boxing. It was interesting because he actually came from a, a poor upbringing. It, but, it, you know, people just thought that he had an easier route. In the meantime, we had other fighters who were coming up. First of all, Roberto Duran is about five years older than the other fighters who were featured in this documentary series. Duran was already carving out his way. The Pride of Panama, Hands of Stone. And it tells you something right there. One boxer is Sugar Ray. He's yes. so sweet. Right. You know, you almost don't regret getting knocked out by him. And then there's <laughs> Hands of Stone who wants to end you in the ring. Yeah. And the other two fighters who are featured prominently are Thomas Hitman Hearns, who was the Pride of Detroit at a time when Detroit had very little to be proud about. 
who, again, and all the fighters here came from impoverished backgrounds, but Tommy Hearns uh, came out of a gym in Detroit and was something we had never seen before at that weight class because he was like six foot one, maybe even six foot two. Yeah, but just had, And had that reach like an NBA power forward, but right. could hit like nobody's business. And the fourth component is Marvin Hagler, who, <laughs> you know, always found himself a great fighter, by the way, you know, an absolute true champion and a, and a, by all accounts, a great guy. And we lost Marvin Hagler earlier this year, far too young. But Marvin Hagler always kind of felt like the other guys, particularly Sugar Ray Leonard, got the media on their side, you know, and he, he named himself Marvelous Marvin Hagler, which is not a... It's more it like didn't a, work. It's a magician, right? Didn't Hugh Jackman <laughs> play him in a movie, you know? And one of the things that the documentary uh, shows that I had never known was that he really tried to push this Marvelous Marvin Hagler thing, and he, and, and he you know, he kept seeing Sugar Ray Leonard doing Wheaties commercials and right. just going on The Tonight Show and playing himself on sitcoms, and he even tried to do poems, and he tried to get, you know... <laughs> Uh, some TV roles. And listen, he was a, he was a handsome, smart guy, but he just didn't have the, you know, he was kind of shy and he actually legally changed his name to marvelous Marvin Hagler because ABC, because at the time still there was, we're just starting to get pay-per-view, but, and the media, they wouldn't call him marvelous Marvin. They're like, that's dumb. We're not calling you that. So he went to court. So they had to then call him marvelous Marvin Hagler. Cause that was his legal name. Okay. You see how times have changed. Because back then, the media would not buy into the yeah. hype, which is so crazy when you think about it. Yeah. And ABC was basically the the only thing that was delivering boxing on a national scale. Yeah. They had the Olympics back in 1976. Right. They had the Olympics actually 84 as well. Mm -hmm. But after that, it went over to NBC. But the key here was that Sugar Ray Leonard was not only a great boxer and was such a huge primetime star during the Olympics in that summer of 1976. But he was so great looking. Yeah. And he was so telegenic. And he was great as a pitch man in commercials. And I think he was even like on Fantasy Island or some of those other kinds oh, yeah. of shows throughout yeah. the years. I mean, they yeah. just used him as one of those, you know, like perfect media personalities and it made the other boxers because boxers are not known for that boxers are not supposed to be pretty they're supposed to be lumpy and and <laughs> angry and biting your ears off and things like that and it, it was a it was a change because he was a lightweight version of muhammad ali yes. in a lot of ways without all of the social strife issues that muhammad yes. ali was constantly bothering the united states of america establishment over that's perfectly put ro because Ali, Muhammad Ali, young, even when he was Cassius Clay, was, you know, this movie star, handsome, charismatic, brilliant guy in and out of the ring, but he was not doing TV commercials. Nobody was going to have the guy that was a conscientious objector pitching their breakfast cereal or doing that. He would be on the talk shows, as you know, but a lot mm -hmm. of times you'd see Muhammad Ali on a talk show and he would he would mess around and stuff, but he'd also be on Dick Cavett with Norman Mailer. And right. other leaders of the, and Bobby <laughs> Kennedy and yeah. uh, and holding his own own in political discussions. He was not interested in. You know, he could have listen. We all know this. He could have made so much money if he if going back this you know briefly on this too. Ro, everybody knows if Muhammad Ali had agreed to be inducted in the army, he would have been on tours for you know doing boxing exhibitions or some sort of public relations thing. He was not going to be fighting in the jungle. So you know he really was 
protesting for his beliefs, and it, it, it obviously cost him a lot in terms of money and reputation. Yes, he was going to be on some TV shows and stuff, but Sugar Ray Leonard, as you said, he was Muhammad Ali without the baggage. And one of the things I love this uh, series, again, it's called The Kings on Showtime. They draw these parallels showing where America was you know, in the mid-'70s uh, when Jimmy Carter was president and kind of blamed the American people for things that were happening and actually you know, talked about the malaise in the country. Right. And the, you know, the, there was this kind of in the economic depression, the post-Vietnam uh, fatigue, and then along comes Ronald Reagan, the cowboy hero on the horse to save the day. And they draw parallels between the Morning in America campaign and Sugar Ray Leonard's campaign because the truth was Sugar Ray Leonard was a lot more complex than that image that he projected. And they don't shy away from the fact that he had a lot of problems later on with domestic abuse, hardcore drug use, extramarital activities. So we see the you know footage of these tributes to him with Bob Hope and, and he's in the White House and they keep talking about you know that kind of code word a clean young man. You mm -hmm. know, he lives the right way. And in reality, right. Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns were living more exemplary lives and not getting in the trouble, but not getting a tenth of the publicity. Then you've got Roberto Duran. And the other three American fighters definitely grew up in poverty, but compared to what Duran grew up in, right? right? And he was right near that line. What You know more about this than I do, Rose. So the American military is occupying a certain zone, right? The triangle, right? yeah. Yeah, and he lived just across from that. I, I had never seen this footage. You, you, you're kind of an expert on this kind of thing, but I didn't realize there was like almost this contained lifestyle with nicer stores and restaurants and a whole thing for the American military and their families, and Duran and the dirt-poor Panamanian people could almost literally see this from where they lived. So they had this huge resentment, obviously, for America and Americans. Right, right. and Duran was a, a character that, that was almost out of central casting as a bad guy for the 1980s anyway, yeah. because we were at a uh, an undeclared war in Central America. Yeah. We had American operators under there. We were dropping off weapons. El Salvadorans, you had the Sandinistas, you had Duarte and Noriega and all these names that were popping up on Time Magazine yeah. and on the evening news when there wasn't evening news. Yeah. They became the bad guys you know, in the American public while they're eating their TV dinners and watching this. And so America became really conscious in the media age of what Central America was and how important it really was as we perceived it in terms of foreign policy to the stability of the United States. And all of a sudden from those dirt poor streets comes this guy who's going to start beating the crap out of American boxers and represent that region, which had previously not been represented in boxing in North America. Yeah. And Roberto Duran was being flown to his fights, you know, in the Panamanian president's jet. And, you know, life as everybody knew it in Panama would stop and people would gather around the one television set in the village to watch him fight. And Duran, you know, it, he's this character. There's a there's a really good movie with Edgar Ramirez uh, playing Roberto Duran from about five or six years ago, Hands of Stone. Because he was this hedonist, you know, he was this guy who had huge appetites for wine, women, and song, and would put on 30 pounds between fights. But he was also a great boxer. He might have been the best pure boxer of the bunch. People think of him as this brawler, but he was an incredible talent. A lot of historians will tell you that he might have been pound for pound in the top five of all time. All four of these fighters were great. And, Roe, what the series reminds us as well is uh, between the four of them, they had nine 
title bouts. You know, everybody got to fight everybody at, at some point or another. And there were sometimes shocking results. And people famously remember uh, the first Duran Leonard fight. Duran won, you know, which was a monumental thing for him. Then there was the Nomas fight, the second fight where he quit. And then they had a later fight when they were both past their primes. But all of the other fighters had their had their moments in the spotlight as well. Yeah. Is it possible that Duran had pooped his pants in that fight? That's what the argument always was, or the rumor always yeah. was, was that Duran got hit so hard that he had to go to the bathroom and that he, he had didn't cramps and diarrhea. Shit his pants. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says, you know, through an interpreter, that his manager came up with that because that was better than the fact that he just quit because that, of course, in any culture, but it's in boxing and then in the macho yeah. Panamanian world, the reality was he was so frustrated he quit. And Duran kind of says, the truth is I couldn't hit the guy. He wouldn't fight. You know, he was, he was, because remember he, Leonard was famously doing the shuffle and the bolo punch because he was too quick because Duran was not in the best shape he could have been. So Duran is basically saying like, well, he didn't want to fight like a man, so I quit, which is, you know, okay. Yeah, that's right. like Run a guy get mad because someone had a bunt single against you. Well, that's part of the game, you know. So he kind of dispels that. I don't know. It's still possible. But we also see, you know, some of these amazing fights that took place like outdoors on stages on boxing rings outside of Caesar's Palace, oh, you know. Yeah. And we saw the incredible punching power of Thomas Hearns. And then Hagler had his moments. And there were certain times where one boxer didn't want to fight the other one. Uh, because you know they, they knew how dangerous he was, and then the the, the Hagler Hearns matchup, almost everybody agrees the first round is the greatest round in the history of boxing. That for an entire round, these guys came out like they do in the movies and just kept hurting and hitting each other. And to this day, it's incredible stuff. So you know you get to see all these great boxers and then learn even more than we knew about their life stories. What changed boxing? more dramatically than anything else, was the advent of cable. So yeah. simultaneous to these guys coming up, moving from 1976 to 1980, cable penetration went from zero, essentially, except yeah. for a couple test cable boxes and test markets like Indianapolis and Columbus, Ohio, and places like that, mm-hmm. all the way around the country. And you had you know 20 to 30 to 40 to 50% penetration in that period of time. And people then had an option to watch things that didn't have to air over broadcast mm. that would have different rules. Like over broadcast, obviously you can't swear over broadcast, you can't show nudity over broadcast, you can't show sex, and there's certain types of violence that aren't acceptable. Now, boxing was always acceptable, but once cable started to be able to charge you specifically for a special event, yeah. you could buy specific channels, a specific fight at some point, and then it was all over. Boxing was changed forever because guys like Don King and other promoters realized Arum, yeah. that's where the money was going to be in the cable yeah. distribution of this. And then they started making these fights back up. So you had sort of a dearth of time between the 60s into the 70s and the Ali, Frazier, Foreman era. Mm-hmm. And then you move into this era and it explodes. But now, because of everything else that has happened here, because the dam broke and the water is so shallow, there are so <laughs> many options mm-hmm. for people to consume things, we've gone to crazy shit show time. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we end up with a YouTube star fighting one of the greatest boxers in human history. We'll talk about that yeah. on the other side. But if this is making you hungry... Uh. 
Portillo's are known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients right down to the poppy seed bun and, of course, their legendary chocolate cake. But that's just the beginning, my friends. The menu has mouth-watering varieties of favorites from a charbroiled burger to an Italian beef to a mm-hmm. cheese fry to a chopped salad and the chocolate cake. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. If you are a fan of this podcast or heard any other episode of this, you know how I feel about the chocolate cake. It's the greatest chocolate cake in the history of chocolate or cake. Portillo's also has locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. Order curbside pickup or delivery today. Ship Portillo's anywhere in the United States of America by ordering at portillos.com. That's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. There is a way to describe how we got from Muhammad Ali to Logan Paul or Paul Logan or whatever. I I, don't, I refuse to know his name. Logan's Run. I don't even want to think about it. All right, that's fine. But there is a sadness that overtakes me because boxing, you know, there have been some great American tragedies in boxing. People have died in the ring. There have been some great scandals that have come out of boxing. And, and you know, the, the pre-Ali era of boxing was rife with scandal and weirdness. And, you know, you'd every city and every, like, little town in America would have... On a Friday night, a couple drunks beating the crap out of each other, right? And it was considered to be a working man's sport with a lot of people involved in it for many years. And then it became a very elite sport because the guys who were really great at it dominated the sport and literally could kill a guy who didn't know what he was doing if he got into the ring. And that brings me full circle back. What about the fact that boxing might be rigged and fixed and completely embarrassing again because they are doing these celebrity fights. Yeah, and you know the sport of boxing, and again, Ro, this has been a problem for decades. There are so many different boxing organizations, the WBA and the WBC and a whole bunch of other ones. So if you look up the champions now, and I hate to say this, but the truth is I know about two names of heavyweight, light heavyweight, whatever champions, but you'll see like six different categories and some of them haven't fought in two years because trying to get a unification bout, you know, they were always able to do this back in the Hagler-Hearns days because of what you mentioned. Don King, who is a despicable human being who literally, you know, committed crimes, knew how to put on a show, and Bob Arum and some others, they would always figure out a way to get all the disparate groups together. You know, that's been part of the problem with boxing. Also, the fact that there just isn't, you know, the, the we don't have anybody, not even a single boxer, anywhere near the, the charisma and, uh, you know, attention-getting uh, noteworthiness of the boxers we talked about. And even, you know, of course, after that, then it was the Mike Tyson era where, you know, he, he dominated the sport for 20 years, for better or worse. So now, you know, these are not sanctioned matches, but they're boxing matches is what they are. You know, they're boxing and, you know, states will allow it. They just won't have it go into the official record. So you mentioned Floyd Mayweather, who's, I think, 44 now and mm-hmm. was 50 and 0. You know, I think his last two fights, first he had that Conor McGregor. He took on that Conor McGregor guy, the right. Irish guy you see in the whiskey commercials, who's been in some trouble of his own, <laughs> one of those, you know. But he's, he's a mixed martial arts guy, yeah. at least. But it was, and it was a boxing match. Right. They were to box. They did not combine the two disciplines. And, you know, there, this has happened before. You mentioned Muhammad Ali in 1976. Ali, uh, there was a guy named Antonio Inoki who was a martial artist uh, from Japan. And they had that famous match in Japan where the guy came out crab crawling on his, on his back. Remember? And well, people might not know this, but they fought for 15 rounds and the Japanese dude, Inoki spent almost the entire fight on his back because you could kick and he would kick. And then Ali would try to punch him on the ground. It was, it was a debacle. So that was (laughs) almost the dawn of mixed 
martial arts, if you will. Yeah, well, and that's in part because of the whole Bruce Lee movement of the 1970s, too. Because yeah. I remember being a kid and arguing who would win in a fight, yeah. Ali or Bruce Lee. Right, and you had all the the kids who were going to dojos because their parents were taking yep. them every weekend and going, oh, definitely the karate yeah. kids would be the ones who would win that. Yeah, and it wasn't. I don't think ever really the case. I was so happy that that finally put to end this notion of the mixed martial arts and the guys who get on the ground and scissor spoon each other or whatever the hell goes on down there. That is a sport that I vehemently dislike, and I don't vehemently dislike any sport. I will watch Highlight. That's how bad yeah. I am about loving the sports. And I think that's just a brutal and dumb thing because the sweet science of boxing is not getting hit. It's not really trying to uh, just grapple a guy into the ground like you're in a bar fight. Yeah, I mean, and I get it. Look, it's, it's become hugely popular, the, you know, the UFC and all that stuff and the MMA stuff. I, I'm with you. There's a brutality there. You know, there's literally blood spilling all the time. Uh, there's a reason why the fights are, are short, because they could never be 10 rounds. But that all being said, what we're getting in boxing now is, you know, uh, former basketball players who want to box, YouTube guys who work out all day. So this YouTube guy, he's, he's a big boy. He's probably 75 pounds heavier than Mayweather. He's 20 years younger. So they fought for eight rounds at a pay-per-view event. There's claims that they're making untold millions. I don't know. I, I'm not going to watch it i refuse to watch it i did follow along on social media and a lot of people were saying hey i'm going to get the fight so you guys don't have to and did you call dr ferdy pacheco and ask him what happened yeah what happened in the fight the fight doctor again there's no judges so there's no decision it doesn't count on mayweather's record that the dude stuck around for eight rounds right. he didn't win didn't lose no landed only like 13 percent of his punches and the, the few sports writers I know who, you know, felt for one reason or another they had to cover it, what they were saying was it felt like Mayweather carried this guy because, he you know, if he knocks him out in the second round, people, you know, say, well, won't we're not come back for the next they one. won't come back for the next one. Exactly. So that, it, you know, it kind of felt like he was almost holding the guy up, sort of like in Raging Bull where, where he was supposed to take a dive and he kept telling the guy, right. you got to hit me harder than that or I can't go down. Uh, and Mayweather was like, oh, he hit harder than I thought. And then the YouTube guy's like, oh, and he now gets to say he fought Floyd Mayweather. But it's like, well, you know, you could fight Betty White, too. But she's not in her prime anymore, pal. You know, <laughs> It's the whole thing is a scam. And that's what it bothers is. And, me. And they're, and they're open about it. That's the thing. You know, they're saying, hey, look, it's an exhibition, man. I mean, I, it's not even to me. Well, and again, I don't care about these two brothers, these two, both of whom have gotten. I just don't care about them. I don't care what they do. The Paul brothers. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, you know, I some people love to hate them because they, you know, they, they look like you know Aryan assholes, and you know they they say outrageous <laughs> things. I, I you know, they, like they're like you know the worst kind of hybrid of all the worst you know douchebag bro things. And I guess hey, listen, they they've marketed themselves into some sort of like boneheaded Kardashian counterpart. Yeah, I guess that's fine for them. You know, they're not. I don't think hurting anyone. So if people want to be stupid enough to follow them on YouTube or but I I don't have any interest in that. I it's sad to me. And I wish Floyd Mayweather would stop doing this shit too, you know, for whatever he reason yeah. he's doing including a payday. It's like, come on, man. You know, it's it's bad enough when these fighters and all the fighters we talked about in the previous segment fought way too long and shouldn't have been in the ring anymore and that always happens, but at least they're still in the ring fighting other fighters. Right. Not fighting a can of tomatoes as they used to say. And I don't know if uh, the Paul brothers really give a shit about whether they, they actually 
get brain damage as a result of what they're doing. It's a short walk. It is going. It is for sure. <laughs> and you know, being a YouTube star is not exactly a longevity play. Yeah, and listen, from what I understand, you know, they've made a lot of money. Uh, and I will say this, you know, it's a modern era where you can make a lot. You and I have talked about this. You know, this celebrity boxing thing has been going on since the early 90s. And my guess is, in a lot of cases, these, you know, former you know, TV gimmicks or people that were in the news were not paid a lot of money, Ro. You know, maybe a few thousand here or there. And I, you and I know, because we know Danny Bonaducci because he, you know, he had a stint here in Chicago as a uh, radio personality. And that's how the Danny Bonaducci, Donny Osmond, very famous yeah. fight broke out, was because of a feud they got into here when Donny Osmond was doing a play called Joseph and the yeah. Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and Bonaducci was a radio star, and they were running into each other in places, and they decided as two former <laughs> child stars, they were going to try to beat the shit out of each other. And I just remember urging Donny Osmond to wear the Technicolor dream coat into the ring, but he said there were copyright problems there with uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim yes. Rice, who did mm -hmm. a Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor dream coat. But, Ro, you've got a list. Pick out a few of these that you found the most interesting or were surprised. Okay, well, then Danny Bonaducci went on to fight Barry Williams. Ooh, now that's... Right? Ooh. Now, Barry Williams is like, now who's... Greg Brady. That's ah. who Barry Williams is. Wow. And you're like, oh, I get it. Danny Partridge versus Greg Brady. Yeah. Yeah. No, who would win that fight? Who gives a fuck? I would have much rather see Lori Partridge versus Jan Brady. <laughs> I do remember some of these, like Dustin Diamond, who was Screech, who we lost recently. And then Ron Palillo was, um, he was on the Welcome Back Cotter. Yeah. Right. You know, so, but then we had some really bizarre ones. Uh, I did not know that Joey Botafuco took on China. Uh, the the wrestler, <laughs> the fighter, and who, again, we've lost. And, and some of these other ones, Rodney King fought in a match. And I then, recall it, that. And that's just sad. And then I, don't, I was paying I, off bills. I, yeah, I don't. And Jose Canseco did a, a number of these. Uh, Ricky Gervais apparently fought at one point. And Manute Vol versus William Refrigerator Perry. That was a real sad one because they were both being exploited for their unusual yeah. physical characteristics. Yeah, it's awful. If you are a trained boxer and this is how you came up and you decided in the hard scrabble streets of, and you learned how to actually box in the proper way, and I know people are like, oh, it's just guys hitting each other. It is not. If you understand that sport, it's something totally different. Well, just around the corner, we have Lamar Odom versus Aaron Carter to look forward to. Oh, God, I hope the, Lamar Odom the, kicks his ass. The, the thriller <laughs> against the vanilla. I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, again, it's a Kardashian world, right? Boy, it's boy, a Kardashian yeah. and, and a an YouTube kind of world, as we just pointed out. That's yeah. where this all ends up. It's a trash heap. I think if they're going to continue on this, I would just like to advocate for the various real housewives. I know there's, uh, what, Orange <laughs> County and, like, Atlanta. There's a lot of them And, and, and yeah. the only... Uh, acceptable means of confrontation would be throwing glasses of wine at each other and the occasional heel that you could high heel you could toss across the ring i would pay for that okay uh, we are we've cheapened society Sorry even deeper that. i think at the end yeah. of this the road rubber podcast is brought to you by americaneagle.com studios americaneagle.com is a full service global digital agency providing best in class web design development hosting digital marketing services and much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Executive producers for Screen Time with Rowan Roper, Tim Alanius, and Renee Nelson. 
Brian Altimer is our music and production director. See you next time.